Did you realize that Gwyneth Paltrow is now married to Brad Falchuk? Yes. Isn't that crazy? I wonder, I did that start on, well, I guess she was on Glee. I guess that's where. Cause I don't know if they met before that. that so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I didn't realize that until the Emmys. But hey. Yep. That's cool. I mean, this is his, he has that huge deal with Netflix, right? So he's, Ryan Murphy, I mean. So he's going to have all sorts of yeah. stuff coming out. Yeah. That's what Sarah Paulson's doing too, right? Is it a Netflix Ryan Murphy vehicle? Yep. The uh, Nurse Ratchet, I think that's going to be. That's right. We've talked Netflix. about that a couple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm excited for that one. Is it? That's based yeah. on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I saw that Sarah Paulson will be in episode seven of the season 1984. Mm, that's our cameo. Interesting. Very interesting. And interesting. Evan Pierce well, is dating Halsey, the singer. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, I just saw that like today or yesterday. Anyway, hmm. enough gossip. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's related gossip. So with that, I think we can go ahead and start, I guess. Yeah, let's just start, Jesus. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show, American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Houston. What's up, everyone? Good evening, people. Happy How you October. Doing? Yeah. Oh, happy October. Uh, do you, well, now that it is October, it's officially, I think we can say, it's okay to listen to Halloween music and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff now to kind of start prepping your costume. Do you have a costume in mind yet for this year? I do. I, I, I don't know if it's going to work or not, but um, and I don't care if I say it on here, but Sarah and I are talking about going in uh, fence, you know, the fencing co- costumes with the mask and all white. One of us mm-hmm. wears a green vest, and then we both have red ponytails coming out the back of our hair. Do you know what that is? Ooh. Is that a Freaky Friday reference? Uh, other one. Lindsay Lohan, Freaky Friday? No, not Freaky Friday. Um, uh, twi- the one where they're twins. Um, not Freaky Friday. Yep. Um, they switch roles and it's Parent Trap. It's the Parent Trap. Parent Trap, yep. <laughs> I think we're going to try to do that, maybe. Oh, what a throwback. Oh, Lindsay Lohan in her um, more innocent days. Yep, definitely. Do you have an idea what you're going to do? <laughs> Well, so I can take, I work at a startup now and I can take my dog into work with me. Love it. And so we're having a work Halloween party because it's on a Thursday. And if you bring your dog in, you're supposed to dress your dog up too. So I'm trying to come up with a companion costume (laughs) for me and my dog. So if anyone has a good idea of companion costumes for a human and dog, please post it to our Facebook page. I would very much appreciate that. I will love looking at that. Oh my God. Yeah, I'll figure something good out. Um, well, we have plenty to talk about here in yeah. episode three of, show of that we do, yeah. 1984, <laughs> Slash Dance. But before we begin, I want to say thank you so much to everybody who is uh, posting on Facebook all sorts of thoughts and ideas and emailing us. Of course, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory, and our email is thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. You can always reach out to us with your theories and thoughts and questions and we will do our best to answer them and participate as a community and bring them up on the show when we have something to say about them 
So before we dive into a few of those, Chris, what are you drinking this evening? So because it is October, but today it was still 88 degrees where I was, mm. I couldn't pull the whiskey out just yet. So I'm finishing off my at my final glass, most likely, of a, a, a red wine, a Cabernet. What are, mm, what are you drinking? That sounds nice. Uh, I am really nice. bourbon, but the temperature dropped today from like 80 to 60 by the end of the day. Oh, so, that's going to happen tomorrow. It was here, fall so by I'm the time. Of, to it. Yeah, fall by the time American Horror Story started. So that's what matters. So cheers to that. Now, before we dive into the episode itself, a few quick things I would like to cover. The first one is that we uh, learned in an email from Tobias. That, you know, Mr. Jingle's real name is Benjamin Richter. Apparently the name, last name Richter, or the, the word Richter, is uh, German for judge. And so Tobias was saying, well, mm. could there be some sort of thing where, is there a connotation there, like, is, is it, you know, Mr. Jingle's job to be enacting some kind of judgment? That Interesting uh, after this episode... Yeah, I mean, I think that there could potentially be something to that. Um, so I thought that was a good pickup. Um, Amanda on our Facebook page pointed out, and then we didn't see him this episode, but Jonas, who is, of course, our paranormal reappearing guy, um, mm-hmm. I guess that his first name and last name are an anagram for Jason Voorhees. Oh, So, cool. you know, Jonas, Jonas Jason, yeah. I, didn't, I couldn't see what his last name was on his... Uh, you know, name tag, but someone else, I guess, picked that up and, and saw that it was a anagram. So that's kind of fun. Nice. And then finally, this is the big one I wanted to talk about because this episode did not exactly answer any of our questions. But there's been a lot of talk on Twitter and on uh, subreddits and, of course, from you and I and people on our Facebook page that there is potentially some kind of we're headed towards some kind of switch over midseason. There's something mm-hmm. going on potentially and there's going to be. You know, there's been talk of a Roanoke-type um, kind of pulling the rug out from beneath us. I think Bryce floated the idea that maybe we're in a video game. What what, do you, what is your take on that? I mean, I guess my question for you is, what, what do you think the likelihood of that is? And are you pro or con? I am pro flipping the script and making something happen because there's no way you can make, you know, 10 hours of a slasher film from a to b there has to be some variables introduced that are going to kind of spin things around and make complicate things a bit so we don't have a straightforward slasher we kind of got that in episode one we're sort of shifting away from that now a little bit there's hints of it uh i don't think we're going to go roanoke just because they've already done that in fact they only did that three was it three seasons ago uh season six was roanoke i believe and mm-hmm. we're on nine. It's a little too fresh still for me and for you, for most of the fans who've watched every season. Uh, it would feel like a cop-out, and they would lose a lot of viewers, I think. So I do anticipate something happening. I'm pro that happening. I hope it's not the same thing that they've done before. Um, I don't. I haven't really come up with a good theory of what it's going to be just yet. I don't think it's going to be a TV show. Um, if it is, they better be damn creative about what that is because we've already done that with Roanoke. Um, but then again, in Roanoke, I'm pretty sure we knew from the get-go that it was, they were creating a show, right? And it just became so real that we started getting scared. And then halfway through, they ended it. And we're like, oh, that that was just really well done, I thought. Again, 
Roanoke is a little controversial and uh, polarizing with some of the audience. I loved it. I don't want to go back there again. Let's do something different. Do you have any ideas of what could happen? And do you think that we'll kind of flip the script? I agree with you that something something's up. I think that everyone gets that sense, the sense that this storyline can't be sustained for 10 episodes. And in the past, I would have said, well, maybe that's just you know, a weakness in American Horror Story where they're like, they don't really know where they're going. But there seems, I don't know, it's, I have a feeling there's some kind of intentionality to it. There's some very suspicious things going on, I feel like, in this story. For instance, mm-hmm. I was going to save this for the very end, but I feel like there's really something to the parallel plots, you know, where we have jingles and we have Night Stalker and we have, like, hidden people on the inside who are, like, on their team with each of them. And I don't know, there's something peculiar about the way that's all playing out. And I feel like there is... I, I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if it's a video game. Are I don't you know thinking, if it's a TV show. Is this like Into the Spider-Verse where there's like multiple Spider-Mans or Spider-People? Have you seen that movie? Sorry. I yes, I have. And it's, you haven't it, seen it. No, no, I have seen it. It's, amazing. it's a great movie. Um, I think it's on Netflix now. So if you haven't seen it, you should go watch it. But <sighs> Like I different dimensions? About... Is that too crazy? I don't know. This is American Horror Story. I mean, that's an interesting idea maybe maybe Jonas is somehow the key to all of what ex- what really is happening because the way he's like being weirdly that, reincarnated. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that he was not in this episode because I was afraid that it was Me all too. of a sudden just going to be a, like a, a dozen more paranormal things pouring out and we were going to be frustrated with it and there wasn't that this time. So I appreciate that. He's quite convenient when, he, when he's around and then he just disappears when he's not needed. A little lazy there. But uh, I did appreciate well, not having to deal with his goofiness and clumsiness lazy Unless or is there something to it yeah that's a good point unless this is actually maybe it's just me not trusting american horror story like usual reserving judgment until we see what happens but cautiously you know, optimistic maybe, here cautiously optimistic i think that's the way to be I now like as we optimism in this yeah i don't know i don't know before before we dive into the cold open, though, I want to talk about the title of the episode. The title of this episode was Flashdance. That is quite evident. Or, sorry, Slash Dance. Slash Dance. <laughs> that is Did we quite watch evident. the wrong thing? <laughs> <laughs> that is quite evidently a allusion to the 80s film Flashdance. Flashdance. So I, so I was wondering if you might... Um, Give us all a little bit of a overview of what Flashdance was about, and maybe how the, you know this episode Slashdance corresponds. I will come right out the gate and say I have no idea how this connects or what parallels we can draw from the movie Flashdance, which which came out in 1983, uh, to this episode of 1984 Slashdance. Um, but Flashdance, which I often confused with Dirty Dancing, which I often confused with. Um, uh, Footloose Dirty Dancing <laughs> are all different movies uh, different <laughs> main characters but Jennifer Beals was the star of Flashdance and she stars as this kind of young like probably 18 or 19 uh, welder at this like at a steel mill and she has aspirations to be a professional ballerina I believe um, but at nighttime, she actually is an exotic dancer a non- non-nude one um, and the story is all about her trying to become this professional dancer and the ladies and people she works with at the bar where she already dances, um, you know, and what their dreams are and how they want to get out of the town, what they all want to become. And they're all training to be something else. Um, and her kind of journey 
sort of in a patriarchal world where I think her, I mean, spoiler alert if you haven't seen this, it's a, it's a romantic drama. Um, she ends up sort of falling into a relationship with her boss at the steel mill who subsidizes her second chance to audition for some company, some ballet company. Uh, and she's wrestling if she should do it or not because she is she wants to get in on her own merits and not because someone pulled some strings for her. And then, you know, there's the big iconic scene of her pulling on the stage, pulling down um, like a bucket or something and the, all the water dumps on her. You see it create. I think Jennifer Lopez did it in a music video. So that's kind of an iconic scene of her dancing. So that's the general gist of that movie. Again, no idea how to connect it to Slash Dance. I'm a thing about it. I'm sure some smart people will come up with uh, some parallels, but I don't have any. I mean, I guess if we have to really, and this is really stretching, so forgive me here, but if the concept of the movie is this idea of, like, escaping your background to, like, start afresh. Mm, there you go. I, I mean, we could say that it's certainly the case of a lot of the characters who ended up at the camp. You know, they were all trying to escape something in their background. We learned, of course, about Ray's background this episode. Um, we certainly know about Brooks. Now we know know what ex- uh, Xavier Montana. was going through. Hints of Montana, who's probably her background's the most mysterious of all, and then Chet's too. So, yep, um, yeah, that's true. They were all running from something. Correct, correct. So I don't know. That's that again. That's a stretch. But if if we're trying to look that you know, assume that there's something more beyond kind of the fun punny punny title, I guess. Yeah. Then then uh that's that's a Put potential some guess. Our, i'll say tell our, our listeners if you have any ideas throw them on our facebook once you post this episode and i'm sure you're all smarter than us yeah absolutely um so in the cold open here we we kind of start exactly where we picked off again same or, or you know left off last episode same night you know night stalker's trying to break into one cabin jingles is trying to break into the other uh Ray kind of has... This is Ray's episode more or less until it isn't. Um, He brings up this whole idea of survival of the fittest. And I'm wondering if this is going to be something that, uh, I don't know, exists more beyond this episode or not. But, you know, it's the philosophy that, you know, Darwinism, that it's, you know, Mm -hmm. the people who are in the best shape to survive are the ones who will survive and everyone else should die off and, you know... It's their job to die off because they're not strong enough to survive. So he kind of proposes that as, you know, I believe Night Stalker is breaking into their cabin. And, of course, the irony is by the end of the episode, Ray is the one who does not survive. Um, but we see, you know, Ray slash pretty horribly, but Chet does come back to save him. And kind of, you know, when Chet needs Ray later on, Ray is not quite so brave. Yeah. Ray is also the first person to throw out the cliche, let's split up because and make a break for the car because if we all split up, he can only get one of us. And they're all like, what? No. But, no. <laughs> but, no. I mean, but then he gets slashed up. Pretty... And yeah, so then uh, Rita, well, Rita slash Donna uh, says, all right, survival for this peace. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then I mean... Chet does save him. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the other thing we learned about in the opening is about uh, Jingles Day, which is something new that was, I guess, introduced uh, this episode that we didn't know about yet. But apparently this particular night is 
an anniversary of the night that Jingles killed everybody at the camp before. Which is interesting because obviously right now the kids aren't even at the camp yet. So I guess Margaret started camp later this year. Right, right, right. It's, well, you know, every year the calendar shifts. Yeah, right. Um, But obviously perfect timing for, you know, Jingles to be let free this night and for him to uh, then pretty brutally stab, (laughs) murder those kids. Yeah, Uh, it's, yeah. A few things I liked about this was one, we picked up right where we left off. Two, it works as a you know we're dropped right into the anxiety and the terror of getting broken into. We already kind of know who's breaking into. You know, we have the infirmary group and we have the cabin group. Um, both end up somehow some like the windows get broken in. Um, another takeaway was for me was when Rita calls ray a coward and i didn't think that we had gotten any hints of that being sort of part of his character or or a characteristic that he had a quality that he had in the first two episodes so that kind of seemed out of the blue to me and then they just really ran with it obviously throughout the whole piece um i that's maybe a little critique on i wish we had maybe seen i'd maybe have to go back and watch episode one and two to see if there were any hints that this was kind of part of a quality that he would that becomes a flaw later on that ends up screwing him Um, but but she does call him a coward early on and we hear that reiterated at least one more time before he keeps trying to leave people behind right yeah i don't know that he's i mean i remember any in any obvious way him really exhibiting that quality in the past couple of episodes um i mean you know there was a moment there where it seemed like he was going to be the one who kind of you know you know, um, was the good guy defended or, or yeah, like you know, had a thing maybe with Brooke there at one point. So mm-hmm. obviously that yeah. is no longer going to be the case. But yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure either. So that's kind of interesting. Um, sticking with Ray and Chet for a second here. Obviously, you know, we we pick back up in the real episode with them dashing through the woods in another classic woods chase. We've had a number of these already, and they fall into a spiked pit in which Chet gets mm-hmm. gored really brutally in the shoulder. Um, first question mm-hmm. I was going to ask you is, is I mean, could you think of any other references to spiked pits in horror movies? Is that, I mean, I was trying to rack my brain a little bit and couldn't come up with anything. I can't think of anything offhand. I mean, they reference First Blood uh, in, in right. the show. I mean, right, but so they talk about you know, the movie. origin of, right, so they talk about the origin of pits like this being from Vietnam. Um, and the presumption is that Jingles made this himself, but obviously this is not something he would have had time to have made recently because he just escaped from the prison now. So the question is, like, was this pit there since the camp was open 14 years ago, or did someone else make this pit? Uh, if I, Now, am I right. correct in saying well, I don't think the spikes Jingles are metal? Pit. No, I don't think so either. The spikes are metal. No, they're right? wood. Oh, they are wood? No, they, they were look wood. for a second like... They okay. looked wood. Though they looked wood to me. Yeah. Oh, I thought for, he called for them some reason at one point. I have a stake through my yeah shoulder. I thought for a second maybe it was the light glaring off it that it was like actually metal through his shoulder. But wood wood would be the more traditional thing for these. So you don't you agree? You don't yeah. think that this is a that Jingles made this pit? I don't think this is a Jingles trap. I think because I also think he would have gone and checked it out. They kind of play with the editing to sh- make us think that that's happening, but uh, as we know. Uh, it turns out it's not him checking it out. So I think it might be someone else's. 
Do you have any theories or as to who classic it is? American Horror Story? We'll never find out whose it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I do. I mean, I still have my suspicions about Margaret from last episode, but yeah, we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see. So, of course, in the midst of Chet's injury, Ray then gives us his backstory about how there was this hazing accident at his fraternity. And so he decided that he was going to kill this or, or make this kid look like he died in a real accident. Of course, the kid was actually alive and took his watch with him over the edge. Um, mm-hmm. This felt very, you know, 80s, like ac- high school or I guess college accident type um reference to me i don't know what did you think of ray's backstory and oh yeah um clearly it was uh, hanging over his head sorority row death on sorority row i forget what it's called murder on sorority row um sort of like i know what you did last summer a little bit um jawbreaker <laughs> not necessarily a horror movie but a dark comedy uh where mm-hmm. a friend accidentally dies and they cover it up and then they reap the as uh xavier says that's karma coming through the door so they're all kind of destined for something bad to happen to them because of what they did and that's exactly what uh ray's situation is he tries to kind of save him at the last minute after this hazing situation but can't do it in time um one thing i thought was interesting about this that i liked it was just written in there really quickly but um ray does try to console his drunk pledge brother that um you know he's kind of he's rooting for him because there are you know people like them and i'm assuming he's talking about people of color trying to make it Mm -hmm. in fraternities have to work he says like two times as hard just to make it in that type of a system i was not in greek life but i imagine that it would be really challenging especially you know back in the 80s uh, to be the only people of color so it makes it even more sad to me to see that happen mm-hmm. no I, I think that is true and you know it, it is classic kind of american horror story to insert a little bit of politics into the storyline and i also social think commentary. too well exactly and yeah social commentary and i think that you know it is fitting to i mean i think they've done a pretty good job of it this season and kind of fitting the story in even though the story's kind of you know wacky and slashery and stuff like that as we've talked about i I appreciate them kind of fitting in real context from what you know what the 80s would have been like at that time so i appreciated that part of it one thing i did have uh, that was like i guess a little bit of a classic slasher eye roll moment is like really ray couldn't have checked his pulse (laughs) i mean yeah, I know. Yeah, that was... <laughs> He's dead. Did you check? Are you sure? Like, it did look like an awful tumble, but come on, man. Yeah. I mean, well, of course, you know, Ray is, is I guess, he thinks it won't... I mean, it's awful... Presu- I, I, I'm sorry, I'm kind of fumbling through my thoughts here. But he's connecting a lot of dots to think that, you know, after that car is driven off of a cliff... If his, if his watch is found, A, that somehow that watch would be traced to him, and B, then the assumption would be that he set this guy up to then <laughs> drive his car off of the cliff. I mean, I don't know. It's... Yeah. It seems far-fetched. But, you know, that's sometimes... That, that's also, again, fitting with kind of how these movies go. But w- that's the thing that I guess has me questioning a lot about this season, is it's like, okay, is it... Are they playing with, like, 80s tropes? 
or is it kind of surreal because there's something more to it or is it both you know like are they acting in a 80s you know is it the is it like a meta commentary type thing or is it real it's hard to say and i kind of like that a little bit about it that it like has us questioning ourselves in that regard and mm-hmm. the last thing that I just wanted to say about this, too, okay. is I thought it was kind of funny how Ray decides that he's just going to leave Chet in the pit and kind of ends up pulling like a, you know, Christian Bale in the final Batman movie, you know, when he's in like that pit that's the the prison that Bane puts him in and he climbs out. I do have to say I was very fearful throughout the rest of this episode that someone was going to fall, like one of the characters we know was going to fall in and get spiked. Of course, that does end up happening later with the jingles look alike. Um, but they kind of make you make your palms sweat a little bit, wondering if that's going to happen to somebody. So I thought that was kind of, uh, I don't know, interesting. Do you now, think we'll see that uh, pledge again? That's an interesting question. No, I, w- I don't, I would hope, I don't think so. I hope not. I mean, Ray's dead. <laughs> I feel like Ray's dead and that story's tied up. Yeah. It's like we got his little background and he's, he's over. So, that's true. This is also. Do you remember what show you're watching? True. Yeah. No one has ever truly, truly did. I mean, his his head was clean sliced off, but hard to say. You know, never count anybody out. But the, wait till the witches show up. <laughs> well, if we got a little bit of you know Jessica Lange or Sarah Paulson or something, I don't know that. I, or Francis Conroy. I can't say that I would hate that, but <laughs> still. So I'm gonna jump around storylines a little bit because and kind of tie them all back in at the end because we have some different things going on here, obviously. Uh, The next thing I want to talk about is when Mr. Jingles runs into the additional fake Mr. Jingles, um, the guy with the twisted urethra. Uh, First of all, I want to say that the... I know. First of all, I want to say the Jingles masks are creepy as fuck. They make me... I think they're more creepy than John Carroll Lynch's real face. (laughs) Um... (laughs) The other thing I think that is interesting is that Jingles lets this guy go, which seems to hint that he has empathy or compassion, which is not typically something a sociopath serial killer would have. I was wondering what your interpretation of that was. I thought that, yeah, so he's got asthma, he's overweight, he's like, thanks for letting me come, guys, Uh, twisted urethra, and Jingles, like, actually seems kind of confused, with his face he's kind of like huh and he kind of just lets him go so i was curious what you thought his mo is too but maybe he only goes after guilty people maybe there is this um kind of judge uh, authority that he thinks he has to pass judgment on people who have done bad things that's why he's looking after getting margaret and stabbing her over and over and why he gets ray in the end maybe and uh we'll see what ha- what he does with the other people um, I mean, he does get Nurse Rita, and we don't really know much about her. Uh, so, yeah, I do think there's something up there where he lets innocence go. Yeah, and I do think that you're onto something with him kind of looking confused, because I guess he's so used to people, like, maybe maybe kind of what he gets his... What gets him off, so to speak, is people being afraid of him. So when he's not getting that from somebody, it's like a confusing reaction, you know what I mean? And he so also admires compel. Jingles. Remember, he says like, "Man, I, you know, putting this mask on makes me feel like a badass or like the best, the the most like prominent, strongest serial killer in the world." And that confuses Jingles. So there's maybe a little he's thrown off by the admiration that he has. 
True. That could also be something. There could be something there. So overall, interesting interaction. And then, I mean, this is kind of leads into us learning more, obviously, about Jingles and his uh, relation to who we thought was Nurse Rita, but who quickly injects Brooke with a horse tranquilizer, which I would say was kind of a... There was mm-hmm. kind of an, a um, Dr. Threadson vibe to this a little bit. And mm-hmm. uh, we end up seeing the connection. First of all, before we dive into the flashback from one week ago, was this unexpected to you that Rita was essentially a accomplish, or sorry, accomplice to Jingles? It was, but also I saw this um, written and I totally, I thought about it briefly, but I was like, no, maybe it's not true. When we saw Jingles meet Rita in the infirmary in episode two, we see them meet, but we don't see what happens really. And next, all we see is her with a bloody chest, like landing in front of the car, which essentially prevents all those teenagers, young adults uh, from escaping, from leaving. It prevents them from leaving. So there's a little suspicion there that I was like, huh, maybe something's up. I didn't know it would go this far. But now that we've seen the backstory, it all makes sense uh, a little bit more of why she seemed a little off, like why she didn't want to help um, Ray when he cut his hand. She's like, I'm off duty. you got to do it yourself, you know? True. Now sort of all Mm -hmm. these little things add up. But I was surprised at, you know, it happening so soon. And I think we can also presume, too, that the injury she supposedly sustained from Mr. Jingles was not actually a real injury, right? It was fake, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, in the flashback, we obviously see Rita uh, actually is Donna Chambers, I guess is her name, and she appears at the asylum and is basically the one mm-hmm. who makes connection with Benjamin Richter, says she understands him and that evil is not his fault. Um, interesting that she's, like, basically been pulling a mind hunter and going around the country and, you know, interviewing these serial killers and getting their full stories and like pulling information out of them. Or so she, she is, says. Right, right. That's true. We have this is us taking her at her word from the flashback. Um, but she says some interesting things. Among them is that she she says, "I don't believe in evil. The need to murder needs to be activated by outside circumstances," which is so pornography, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So she is setting jingles loose in a raw environment so she can observe him i guess it's it's not this really clear not like makes sense to me dude it's yeah. yeah it's not really clear like what the goal of this is because it's not like she's uh, she's she apparently thinks she's going to learn something from him that's going to help her prevent future people from becoming serial killers but she, instead she's really just enabling him to yeah, kill way more it, people yeah she's like i need to study you in your natural habitat what the fuck no no like come yeah. on dude that, that does not make sense to me at all. Also, you know, I, we, it's not clear what her reasons are for this. Like, is she really... I mean, it sounds like she actually is possibly a doctoral student look, studying this type of stuff, lying and manipulating her way to get access to serial killers. You know, she says there's an uptick, and she wants him to be, like, the final serial killer, and he's like, yeah, redemption. I, I, these serial killers are so easy, easily manipulated... <laughs> Uh, by the people in this show so far. I don't understand how they even have the gall to kill people when they're easily influenced by people they meet for 30 seconds. I mean, to be fair, like, 
it's not like Nurse Dawn has asked him to do anything crazy. She's just like, be free and kill more people. And he's like, okay. Yeah. And she's like, go kill the person who put you in jail. And he's like, okay. So it's not like she's asking him to do anything that like goes against his nature. You know what I mean? But it is kind of like mm-hmm. laughable that somehow they think that this is going to be a redemptive thing for him. When yeah, he, he fully admits that like, if I get out of here, I'm just going to murder a whole bunch more people. And she's like, it's for the greater good. So... That was all interesting and entertaining. One thing I wanted to ask you about this sequence that happens when the two of them are in the cafeteria, like the, the meeting room. So I, I watched mm-hmm. my, um, I watch the show on the FX Live app on Apple TV. So I don't know if this mm-hmm. is a glitch in the app or if this was something that happened on the actual station as well. In this scene, did you get like a weird pixelated, like, like a quick little flash of pixelation on the screen? I don't think I did. I didn't mm. notice one if it happened. Was it like in a montage? No, I don't. No, it was like they were. Anything. It was like they were talking, and there was just like a little glimpse on the screen. It just like popped up, and I was mm. like, "Well, it could be the app, but you know, we were already talking about this, like, you know, being the '80s, and it seemed like the way the little boxes on the pixelation where it looked, it, it, mm-hmm. it seemed like it could have been something from like a VHS or something like that. Mm. Uh, so Ooh, I didn't. Interesting. No. It could have been, I was like, hmm. is this an Easter egg or is it nothing? I don't know. I'm just right. throwing it out there. Hmm. So yeah, if I don't I, know. I'll go back and look. Well, and if other people saw it, please comment on Facebook because I'd be curious to know if it's just something with my, you know, stream or if it's something other people experience too. Uh, only other couple things worth noting from this scene. One is that obviously we know that Richter still reserves this like deep desire to murder Margaret. So mm-hmm. I think we can. I think at one point we maybe thought, or there were some theories floating around that maybe Margaret and Jingles were actually, I don't know, a team of some kind. Even though she had said that she put him behind bars, I think it's pretty clear now that she, you know, that he does resent her and wants to murder her because he said he wants to stab her many times in a row. Uh, the other thing is that after this whole sequence, to kind of obviously play the part of Nurse Rita, Donna you know, chases down the real nurse Rita and gets into her car and pops up. So I don't know this, this is when it's like this doctoral student is clearly going, I mean, she's already letting a serial killer loose, but I don't know. I'm very curious to know a little bit more about like what her thesis entails and like what she actually plans to prove. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that whole like, you know, someone following you in the car. Also, the, the also the actress who plays the real Rita is her name's. I I think it's pronounced Dreama Dreama Walker. And I was like, is that the girl from Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment Twenty Three? And it is. If you ever watched that show, um, her name's Dreama Walker. So she's sort of known. I think she was also she's in she's been in a lot of things, but that was our, what I mostly remember her for. Um, but the whole. Look in, look in your back seat before you drive away when your car has been stopped. I still do that to this day because I'm scared that there's a killer in the back seat. That's been done in like Urban Legends and um, lots of classic horror movies. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it, it happens. Um, but the uh, it's kind of a standard trope. <laughs> um, but read, we, one thing to note is, uh, well, Donna didn't kill Rita. She just kind of tied her up and put her in the boathouse. So she, maybe she's not necessarily a murderer. She really just wants to create this uh, um, study zone 
where she can observe what uh, Ben Richter does. Right. I mean, that does seem to be the case, although obviously she's going to great lengths when she's, you know, bundling up the real nurse Rita and leaving her in the boathouse. So, and I mean, yeah, presuming this was, that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, presuming this was still a few days ago that that even happened, like, is she feeding nurse, like going there and, and feeding her every so often? You know, how is she taking care of her? Right. Care- uh, yeah. And kid poor nurse. Rita. Mm-hmm. She gets rescued and then just gets murdered with a speared oar down her gullet. So, I mean, let's, let's I guess, move on to that section. This is our Xavier, Montana, and Trevor section where they decide... I mean, you gotta, I want to credit Xavier and Trevor in kind of this whole following sequence because the two of them decide that they're, like, going to be heroic from this point out. Trevor especially is, like... He might be an idiot, but, it, like, good on him for, for being courageous. And also, Xavier seems to be, like feeling like he needs to redeem himself for I think um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. he, he feels some sort of responsibility for having everybody kind of come to the camp when he's the one who kind of enticed them to do so in the first place right so they decide they're going to go save Margaret and Birdie which is the first we've heard of Chef Birdie since episode one mm-hmm. I think and I we do know we're going to get some a little bit more for next episode which I'm looking forward to but yeah, they do. You mean Tammy Baker and the Lunch Lady mission? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do, of course, find the real nurse Rita, as you said, and we get another really gruesome kill from Jingles when he shoves the, you know, speared, you know, the shard of ore down her throat. So sticking with this trend of, of gruesome deaths, I kind of wish a little bit that before the season started, you and I had made like a bingo card of 80 slasher tropes because, or, or like, mm. we could have done a drinking game or something because... We could still do that. There's enough of them that, I mean, it wouldn't have been too hard to do. Uh, and then, of course, not long after that, you know, through Ray, they learn the truth about Rita. Well, everyone kind of converses and they, they find out that, you know, the... Rita that they have been hanging out with is is not the real Nurse Rita. And Trevor has that funny moment where he gives, you know, Ray the keys to his, his motorcycle and says something about his bike being a fickle mistress, which I thought was kind of funny. He continues to be an entertaining character throughout all this. Um, He's great, actually. I'm, I'm getting into him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he is great. And then, of course, uh, you know, we have the scene where they save Chet from the pit. He had this spear through him and there's you know recently pull him off of it and it was kind of a a sweet interaction i almost felt like between xavier and chet when he's like i'm really sorry i got to do this to you and and you know we're, we're getting some bravery from these guys and i don't know there's something there's something sweet about it to me in that interaction yeah xavier's already on redemption um, arc <laughs> sorry say that again xavier's already on redemption arc episode three i i mean he was it Episode, end of episode one, he was already there pretty much. <laughs> or beginning of episode mm-hmm. two, I guess. Um, and then, uh, you know, this whole subsection ends with Trevor going on that suicide mission to smash who they thought was Mr. Jingles, but who I presume to be our poor kid who had the twisted urethra. Don't you think that's who it is? As soon as, yeah, as soon as they pushed him in there, we knew, I mean, we knew it wasn't the real Mr. Jingles, right? Right. And so that was kind of sad. And they find the mask, so we know it's not. So we know it's that our asthmatic, chubby, um, mm-hmm. twisted urethra friend. Prankster. I like. I like how that's how we're describing him. Do we think that this is the last we're going to see of 
people wearing costumes for Jingles Day, or do you think that's going to be something that continues throughout the rest of the season? I mean, it still seems like next episode we will be in the same evening, so it's not unfair to think that we'll still see some more people show up. Now, if they do it again, they better be creative with it because we've already kind of walked down this path. We don't need to retread that storyline unless it's going to develop more into something else. I mean, it's kind of a cheap device, but at the same time, it's kind of funny, you know, that you have the situation where, you know, you never know if you're actually... Whether or not it's the real Mr. Jingles, I guess. And also, I, you know, the mask being also kind of a throwback to some of these other slasher, you know, characters who wore kind of these creepy rubber masks as well. So, uh, mm-hmm. f- fitting and all that. Now, let's talk about the kind of final big reveal. Obviously, you know, Ray gets his head chopped off pretty gruesomely with a perfect slice from Jingles as he leaves the camp. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you catch what he said? What Mr. Jingles said or what Ray said? know what ray said as he's uh riding out on the motorcycle i'm I'm pretty sure he said suck my dick camp redwood see you in another life interesting that's see you in another another life life, i thought interesting i didn't know i don't know i might have heard that but didn't really associate what he was saying with what was about to happen to him so that's interesting pickup yeah and then of course the biggest thing that happens here is that montana and the night stalker start making out and apparently they're a thing and also, Montana's final line of the episode is, why the hell haven't you killed her yet? So, question and for who you. who do you think her is? That's exactly what I was going to ask. Is her, <laughs> is it, I mean, we only have three her, well, four her candidates. It could be Margaret. It could be Brooke. It could be Nurse, or Cook Birdie. <laughs> or it could be Donna Nurse, Nurse, Nurse Rita, a.k.a. Donna. I kind of feel like it's probably not Donna Birdie Chambers. or Donna. Right. I feel like it's probably not Birdie, probably not yeah. Donna. I mean, the way the Night Stalkers interact with people we so think far... it's probably Brooke. It makes Brooke the most prime candidate. Yeah. I mean, the easiest assumption is it's Brooke because he's been stalking her, right? Um, but Margaret would be an interesting twist. So right. there might be something in there as well. Mm-hmm. And that would be an interesting switch up if it did happen to be Margaret in one way or another. I mean, him and Margaret already did have kind of a weird interaction where he was waiting for her in, you know, her cabin. So there's still some questions related to that, I would say. Um, but it also, if it is Brooke, like we assume it is, it, it starts to make you think about some interesting things like, well, the Night Stalker did not show up at Brooke's place till immediately after you know, she had met Montana and them at the aerobic studio. So that begins to make a little bit more sense because it's like, okay, well, maybe Montana was targeting Brooke specifically in that interaction. You know, she did she did seem pretty aggressive in, like, trying to bring her into her friend group. So maybe there was more to this. But, like, I guess we don't really have any idea of what her motives would be for killing her. So that's interesting. Any any no, thoughts on yet. that? Yeah. I mean, we sort of get an idea. But, Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, through the preview, maybe Montana is actually a devil worshiper too, and she's satanic. And and well, one thing that we sort of have inferred is that Brooke is a virgin because in her wedding flashback, they were saving themselves for each other, and so it's assumed that Brooke is a virgin. And being a virgin, virgin sacrifices are sort of a satanic thing. So mm, maybe that's it leads me to think that it might be. 
Brooke in that Montana is also because she's connected with uh, uh, Richard Ramirez back in aerobics class that she got she bought into that uh, religion. Yeah, that's a good theory. I didn't I had even forgotten about her being a virgin, so I feel like that's that's plausible. That's plausible. So a lot to think about, and then another thing worth pointing out. Little is Little do they know, virgins to. Mm-hmm. God. Oh, I was going to say, then of course this brings us all back to the parallel storyline thing in which we have a situation in which both of our serial killers who are at the camp each have a secret person on the inside and each one of them, each serial killer is like on a mission to kill a specific female, which is again, bizarre that we kind of have, mm-hmm. the, well not bizarre, I think it's That's suspicious. That's parallel, yeah. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say? Right. Well, one thing I was going to say is, you know, little does a lot of them know, but virgins are typically the ones who survive these movies. <laughs> so that actually... As Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson in Scream told us so uh, poetically. Yes. So and that brings me to a couple of my final uh, thoughts. The first one is, you know, I do think that like these hidden character connections with Montana and the Night Stalker and with Nurse Rita slash Donna and Jingles are pretty much a hallmark of these movies. You know, a lot of times you'll have, it'll have been somebody, you know, who was related to or had an interaction with the killer all along and they're the ones who are like, have been on the inside helping them out. So I feel like that's, that's kind of a fun thing. The other thing I was going to ask you is at this point yes, in time... It also re- reminds... Oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. It, it, I would say... I'm also getting very big Agatha Christie vibes off of this where everyone shows up sort of as friends or sort of strangers, not sure exactly, and no one is exactly who they say they are. They're, everyone's got these things behind them, their character that no one knows about, and it slowly unfolds like an Agatha Christie murder mystery, even though we kind of know who the murderers are already. Um, people aren't who they say they are, so I think we're going to get more reveals as the uh, season goes on. Oh, I do like that. That's kind of a whole murder on the Orient Express vibe um mm-hmm. smart take and then i guess the qu- that brought me so the question i'm going to ask you is, so do you think that brooke is going to be the only one to survive this whole mess i think we're supposed to think that um and if we're going a straightforward slasher film yes she is the one who survives because this is american horror story i think when we think <laughs> that this is arriving at a kind of traditional end of a slasher film something will change. There'll be a new variable that kind of flips everything around. Like we talked about at the beginning of our episode, Not, I'm not sure what that's going to be just yet. There's a lot of theories out there. I don't think it's going to be Roanoke, but Brooke is painted as the character who would typically survive this situation. Will she be the survivor after 10 episodes? I don't know. Will she be the survivor after four or five episodes? Yes. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts on this episode before we give it a rating? I would say, you know, what do we know totally? We know that Ray is not an innocent person. We know that Rita or slash Donna is not an innocent person. And we know Montana is not an innocent person. So there's a few characters left, Chet and Trevor, uh, who we don't know a ton about. We know a little bit of their background, but they seem kind of dumb jocks. Uh, we know a little bit of Brooks, and Brooks seems innocent, and Margaret is still a little fishy to all of us. So I think we're going to see more from Trevor and Chet coming up, 
and um, I'm, I'm glad that we've kind of left them off because usually the dumb jocks kind of go early but they actually seem like they're good people so it'll be interesting to see if they come into the fold more as we're looking forward um, but I, I like that they're kind of side saddled but still doing stuff as the story progresses mm-hmm. so and- and the other things I was going to contribute with that too is that we also have Xavier who seems like he's on his redemption curve already, like you said, which I kind of like. I, I, it feels authentic to me. So good on Cody Fern, I think, for making that seem real. And then the other thing is I mm-hmm. am excited to also learn more about Montana's backstory. She's someone we kind of wondered about and she's given little hints to her background before. But it'll be interesting to see next episode more about like what her connection is to the Night Stalker and kind of what happened in her background that has led yeah. her to kind of this dark point where she's allied to the serial killer yep because remember she also acted pretty alarmed when she saw the lights in the woods previously yeah speaking of lights in the woods these people need to turn off their flashlights when they're running away from serial killers they're showing the serial killer exactly where they're going <laughs> i mean this is the first time they've been chased by a serial e. killer in the, the woods before house well, luckily, Jingles just thought it was Nurse Rita, so it saved him. Yeah. So, so how many severed <laughs> ears would you give episode three slash dance? I I liked this episode. I think where the story's progressing just enough. I love the whole idea of like groups splitting off and then like and then like parts of them like crossing paths again and like go this way, go that way, kind of Scooby Doo ish. Uh, I really liked that. So they're all on their toes. It's not just one killer, so everyone's always constantly moving around for the most part. Um, I think that's fun, and it keeps it it keeps the story moving, even if we might be sort of treading water plot-wise. A little bit of development here, which I liked because we learned a lot of backstory, but um, it still felt like we're current and moving around. I liked it. I'm going to give it four severed ears. I was into it. That's solid. What you, that's what solid. Think? What do you give it? You know, I... There was a lot of yeah. things I was happy about in this episode. I, you know, I appreciated that we didn't revisit Paranormal Jonas right away because that was a concern I had after last episode that that mm-hmm. was going to be the focus of this season. Um, I also think they showed some restraint by not having Margaret be a part of this episode and kind of letting everybody freak out and do their own thing because I do think she's going to play a pretty big role in, you know, how the season progresses as it continues. Um, I do like the feeling that, you know, maybe the writers have something up their sleeve we don't know about. I'm optimistic that that's true and that this isn't all just, you know, screwing with us a little bit. But even at the same time, I really do appreciate kind of the 80s tropes of it. Um, A little disappointed to have Ray gone already. I do think that they a little quickly transitioned him from being kind of nice guy to Brooke to coward who gets his head chopped off on a motorbike. So that was too bad. A coward. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, you know, but otherwise, I'm I'm here for where the story's going. I don't feel like the character turns for Montana or Nurse Rita slash Donna was like so wholly unexpected that it was upsetting to me. I kind of enjoyed it, and I actually, honest, I think more so than the Donna one, the Montana Night Stalker one really did catch me by surprise, and I liked that, and I thought it was a fun end of the episode too, because mm-hmm. now I am kind of fucked in like, yeah. well, what is their connection? So I'm I'm gonna stick with you too. I'm gonna give it four four severed ears. That's that's eight severed ears. That's that's pretty good. That's four heads worth of ears. I I was gonna say also when I was watching right when Ray and Montana were like about to like run away, I'm like. I was like, wow, we haven't lost the main character yet. This is kind of getting kind of ridiculous. We should lose someone soon. And then within like 30 seconds, 
Ray gets the um, uh, Chris Hemsworth almost sort of Chris Hemsworth death which is from Cabin in the Woods where he rides off in the motorcycle trying to sort of possibly save everyone but then ends up dying <laughs> Cabin in the Woods that's a good one you know and I think normally how these things work is like mm-hmm. you one person one of the main characters dies and then it starts to like quickly escalate and you have a lot more people die I have a feeling we have a lot more deaths in story yeah. let's hope they stay dead and you know I'm looking forward to seeing what happens mm-hmm. next Uh, of course, the preview for next episode is that we get more of Night Stalker. Um, he was in Montana's aerobics class, and so we learn, I think, what their connection is, which I'm looking forward to. Um, we get some more interesting things happening with Mr. Jingles, and we finally get to see Nurse Birdie again in a pretty funny exchange with you know, her, her odd sexual tension with Xavier. <laughs> so there's that to look forward to as well. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we do see Margaret and Jingles are going to meet next episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we see their interaction, and I guess we'll see and then, what happens there. And then Brooks like, looks like she's running through like a Legends of Hidden Temple obstacle course at one point. Ooh, that, that would be fun. And then we are getting my Freddy versus Jason, Night Stalker versus Jingles, it looks like. That's right. That's I had written in my notes, Jingle, Jingles and Night Fight. And I, I, I was like, what, what the hell did that mean? And now I'm realizing I meant Night Stalker. So, yes, I am looking forward to that, too. That's, yeah. that, that's fun and, again, kind of fits with the classic trope. So, I mean, but at that point... I mean, episode four, and it, it, it almost feel like it feels like this storyline might be culminating. So I don't know. We'll have to see. It definitely seems, it seems like there's something else to the, the back half of the season. I can't. I, I'm very much looking forward to that. But until that time, we would really appreciate it if you all join the conversation with us at Facebook.com/slash This American Horror Story, and email us your questions and thoughts and theories and all that good stuff at This American Horror Story at gmail.com. Of course, we also appreciate it when you check us out on iTunes, rate us, review us. It helps us uh, pull more people into this this American Horror Story family. And we can keep on talking and enjoying the show. Chris, where can people find you between now and next American Horror Story? Instagram and Twitter, at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. How about you, Tyler? Check me out on Twitter, at TJMoss11. And until then, we appreciate you all being here with us this evening, and happy hauntings. Happy hauntings.